Welcome to uh, another episode of Seeking First. I am Shana Harvey, uh, CEO of Insight Total Stewardship, here to kick off our next series. Uh, and this series is actually on family and money. So all of us come from some kind of a family and all families have some experience with money. And to kick off this series, uh, I've actually invited my siblings here to uh, kick us off with this series. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, meet uh, my sister, Erica Wright, and my brother, Eric Capers Jr. So I'll have them uh, introduce themselves and uh, go ahead and kick it off, Erica. Okay, hi everybody, I'm Erica Wright. I am Shana's younger sister, the middle child. Um, and I actually majored in finance because I do love talking money and budgets, et cetera, but, um, <laughs> forward to this chat. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, and Eric Capers Jr., otherwise known as Rick, you'll hear me just call him Rick in the phone, in the, in the podcast. So, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, hello, as Shana mentioned, um, I'm Eric Jr., but they call me Rick, um, the youngest sibling, the younger brother, little brother. Um, I have some finance experience. I worked in uh, finance. I currently am a mortgage loan processor. Um, I have some real estate experience. And as many guests of the show have mentioned, I am a Central High graduate, class of 262. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are actually all three Central High School graduates. Uh, and we are here. Uh, we got 255 for me. 258 over here. 258 and Rick is 262. Yep. So, and what's funny is we all have in our careers some element of finance mm -hmm. um, between right. me as a personal financial advisor, uh, Erica working in finance, although you're doing something a little different now, aren't you? Yeah, I switched it up. Project yeah. management. Yeah, it's still in my blood. Yeah, it's the, she's still the, a spreadsheet queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rick over there. Um, in the mortgage industry um, and so we all ended up in finance which is kind of weird uh, I don't think yeah. that you know when we were growing up I don't think any of us thought we would do that I no. no I thought I would I be a answer for Jana Jackson so no. oh okay well we're a little far away from that yep. Rick what <laughs> did you think you were going to be I wanted to be a professional stuntman <laughs> but that, that didn't work out <laughs> no <laughs> so mortgages it is right. <laughs> a professional stuntman okay um, yeah that's it. i mean i knew you like cars uh but i i didn't know you wanted to be a stuntman right. that's news to me <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah well i didn't tell many people because it was, it was too different uh, uh Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> well, next life, I guess. There you well, go. Well, what is um, 
what's your earliest memory of money? Since obviously we all grew up in the same house. I shouldn't say obviously because some siblings don't, but uh, we did. Uh, same parents, same house. Uh, grew up in Germantown, Somerville to be exact. Uh, Norwich Street. Shout out to everybody that grew up on Norwich Street. <laughs> we uh, all. I wonder what is your earliest memory of money. Mm. I say for me, and I, I, I'm going back because I'm trying to think what the earliest, earliest was, but the one that stands out to me is one day seeing um, mommy, our mom's <laughs> uh, paycheck, her pay stub, and I'm like, what is all this on here? And what is gross? Why would they be talking about money? What's gross about money? <laughs> I asked her, like, what does this mean? What is gross? What is net? And she broke it down. She broke down the paycheck and was like, gross is, you know, this amount and net is that amount. And I'm like, oh. And it's just, you know, it was a little disturbing to think that you don't get all the money that you <laughs> Right. <laughs> but uh, that was probably my earliest memory, just learning the gross and net part. Of a paycheck. Yeah. How about you, Rick? Well, I, I gave some thought to this, and I realized I really didn't care much about money until like, so maybe I was like nine or ten. But my earliest memory was probably when I was playing football. Um, I think I was like seven or eight, and the first year the the pads and the equipment cost a hundred dollars, mm. and I like playing football, but I hated practice. It was just too much work, too much hard work. So <laughs> the, fo the following year, when uh, dad asked me if I was going to play again, um, I told him no. And they, they, the Raiders, they told me that I could sell my equipment back for $40. So I knew that I would be taking a loss on the equipment. But to me, the, the $40 cash was like, it was a bonus because I didn't have to go to football practice and I had cash. So that was like my first early memory. Even See, I, think, course, I think that's the moment. The money wasn't mine. <laughs> right. I felt like it was mine. Right. I feel like that's the moment your stuntman career just kind of went out the window. Like, Probably. <laughs> From that moment on, it was over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny because my, um, first, I definitely remember you going to uh, football practice, right? Mm -hmm. But my first memory was actually just like Erica's. Because um, mm -hmm. I remember looking at, mommy used to keep her pay stubs like in her purse. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I was in her purse. I don't know why. but For whatever reason. Yeah, for whatever for reason. Whatever reason. I just <laughs> happened to. Uh, come across one of her pay stubs in the purse and I saw all of these deductions off her check and I'm like that's why we don't have any money they took out all of this money from your check and you know what is a 401k and what is FICA and all of it so I I was like astonished at how much money we didn't have right other, all, it went to all these other things, and I was obsessed with um, us trying to get a new house. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that was, that was you found a house for you found that Ross Street house, I think. 
Well, Raw Street, I was stalking for a long time because it just didn't sell. But I found our, I didn't find our house, but I, I'm the reason we, or they have the house that they have now. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that was a mission. Yeah, no, I, I was on a, I was on a mission for years. <laughs> And to try to, to get us to move. So I was looking for every angle. Like, how is it that y'all go to work every day and we still got to live in this tiny little house? Mm. All I wanted was my own room, really. <laughs> Understandable. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking how we all did share. Yeah, we all shared a room. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about... Uh, I, I was... 18 when we moved yeah so you know throughout high school throughout uh when I came home from college that first year I was like that's it I gotta take some stronger matters and what I did was um Comcast used to have like the the guide channel mm -hmm. and they uh had an ad saying uh we buy houses and so I called the number and acted like I was mommy Ooh. and said that we're, uh, we're interested in you buying our house. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Who tries to put our house on the market? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. So when dad got home, the guy called back and said, yeah, I got a message from Donna uh, saying, oh. you want uh to sell your house. And so dad waited for mommy to get home and he was like, did you call this man? And she was like, no, I ain't called this man. Oh my God. He was like, Shanna, did you call this man? It's like, yeah, well, we trying to move, right? <laughs> so they went and, uh, they went and, and to the guy's office, they actually had the appointment and mm. He didn't buy two bedroom houses, so we weren't in luck there. But he did have the house that they live in now that he had just rehabbed. And so they went there, and that was in May, maybe June. Uh, we moved by August, so, you yeah. know, mission accomplished. There you go, I guess. Well, thank you, because I got my own room, so thank you. For your deceit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was, in, it was, I had good motivation. Okay. Okay. You know, but it worked out for all of us, right? Yes, it did. It did. We moved. But that was, uh, you know, one of my early childhood memories when it comes to money. And what's funny is we actually all have a different financial personality. Uh, Erica, what was yours? Mine was, um, darn, I got to look it up. I think it was... Secure, like security, what, is that one of them? Oh yeah, security seeker. Security seeker, and then um, I want to say saver was the next one. Right, right, right. And Rick, what was yours? I was a spender and security seeker. Oh. And I was, I'm a uh, risk taker and saver. Oh. oh. Interesting. Or a saver risk taker, I think that's what it was. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so it's interesting that we all grew up in the same house, same mm -hmm. parents, but we have completely different uh, financial personalities. Now, was, was either of yours a surprise? No. <laughs> no, not really. 
And now hearing your memories, it makes sense because clearly you don't mind taking risks if you calling and putting our house on the market. And <laughs> if Rick is uh ready to get some money back and sell them. Yeah, I guess that yeah. spend forty dollars easy. There you go. <laughs> so he can he can buy stuff. Yeah. Now I thought I would have spender in there more, but I realized I like to spend money, but I like to save money more than I like to spend it. So it's like if I could spend, if I could get a lot for a little bit, that is like you made my day. So give me a coupon, a gift card, anything, as long as I can get a lot and don't have to spend a lot of money. Right, 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 right. How does your uh, spender show up, Rick? Um, well, it shows up all the time, actually, because I I feel like growing up, I always was able to get things like toys, you know, a bike, sneakers. If TV. I, as long as I got good. Yeah, TV. TV. You know, That's as long as I did, <laughs> if I did good in school, you know, then, you know, mommy or dad or grandma, somebody would buy me some stuff if I did good in school. So wow. that was like, that was like my perception of like a job like instead of putting in hours and clocking in I just had to do good in school and I would get stuff that I need but I didn't really I didn't really think that I was a spender when it comes to like spending money I just wanted things and apparently to get things you got to spend money so it makes sense <laughs> that's so interesting to hear yeah because uh he feels like he got a lot of rewards I know I'm like I'm <laughs> Never rewarded for good. <laughs> I really don't remember uh, getting that kind of reward. I remember being like good grade digit reward. Like, exactly, like straight A's. Go you. <laughs> right. Yeah, Y'all were old enough to, to have jobs. No, this is like fourth grade. Well, uh, I mean, I was the youngest, so sometimes I got a little extra. I guess. Clearly. So wait a minute, cause cause I was away at college um, when you were a teenager, Rick. So well, that, that's why our parents had more disposable income because <laughs> you were away. <laughs> I guess. But did you have a job in high school? I did. I had I sold water ice in South Philly. Well, that was in the summertime, and then I um, during the school year, senior year, I worked at uh, telemarketing place. Did you? Yeah, I don't remember yeah. any of that. I don't either. And you were so y'all was going with your life. So oh, I wasn't I really Yeah, y'all weren't around. Yeah, so you, I didn't remember him working. Like no. nobody ever mentioned him having a job at all. Even he nope. didn't mention it. No. This is the first I'm hearing about it in twenty something years. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> well probably when I when I got to Central by that time, you know, I was doing things like you know, chores, so I was getting allowance, but then I actually got my first job selling water ice, like I mentioned, and from that point on, I always had a job, like every year I had a job. Huh. Yeah, like, I have zero recollection of him having a job. Not at all. Not Either I blocked it out, or I just, I went with the narrative in my head that he was super spoiled and never had to work like we did. Yeah, only, I'm like, I, Only before I, high school. Before high school, I might have been spoiled. After that, I had to pay my way. <laughs> Interesting. You say so. Yeah. 
I mean, we're we're kind of buying that, but I know because I'm like, doesn't. I sense a, I sense a little jealousy. I don't, I don't know, just a little bit. <laughs> I know. I think it just it plays into our uh, money, financial personalities clearly, because yes. you like to spend money. That's because you ain't had to worry about it as much. <laughs> <laughs> we trying to we trying to either keep it safe and save yeah. it and try to make some, and you out there just spending, just spending. Well, we all we all see the world from different perspectives. Yes, that we do. Mm. Indeed, true. Which is actually um, kind of important to to note because everybody is gonna have a different financial personality and. It all like did you did you think we were poor? Because some people like would see and be like, no, I didn't even know we were poor. Or how would you classify us <laughs> economically? Uh, I would say by middle school. <laughs> no, even probably before then, because I had to drop out of dance class because we couldn't afford it. Oh. So it was like, oh, okay. So I, I understood like we didn't have a whole lot. <laughs> right and it became more and more clear as the years went on so no it was, i mean i knew we weren't like on the street we had a home and you know food right but it wasn't a whole bunch of extra disposable income we always had christmas gifts yeah and birthday gifts. Right. you know what i mean so that was good enough right how about you yeah i never i never felt like we were poor because i always had Toys to play with. But no, I was I wasn't I wasn't like I didn't need a lot of stuff. Like all I needed was my cars, my little toy cars and my tracks, and I'd be good. Like it was that was pretty much it. I was a simple kid. But then I went outside and played with other kids and sometimes I would have more than them. So I never really felt like I was poor. I just felt like I had just enough to have fun as a kid. Right. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and mommy cooked every day, so it's not like we went hungry or anything like that. Right. The only time I remember kind of questioning, and I guess it they pass it off as fun, is when we had like pancakes for dinner. And I'm like, oh, look at us having breakfast for dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that yeah, was that's fun. fun. That was fun. But I understand why we did that. <laughs> But I do remember uh, our lights getting cut off a couple of times. Yeah, I remember. But my that was fun, too. Dad. Yeah, he was like, look, you want cable or you want electricity? And I was like, I, I kind of want cable. But I guess if you don't have electricity, you can't have cable. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that happening. Cause, but we would have, like, uh, we would tell ghost stories. Yeah. I still remember that story you told, Erica. The, um, Johnny, I want my liver. liver I want my liver. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, <laughs> the classic. That was one of the uh, our our pico bill was a little late getting paid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, we used to scare each other in the dark. I remember that. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, I I remember being like, oh wait, like stuff gets cut off when you don't pay the bill and you don't have money. Yeah. That was a, a wake-up. I think I was more aware of it because I was on the mission to move. And yeah. so they will always tell me, like, we ain't got the money to move. Mm. 
So I was constantly aware of what we didn't have because I, what, what, what I wanted most, we couldn't do. Yeah. I think stuff like that is particularly why I never wanted to feel poor or feel like I never had enough for whatever I wanted to do, which is why I'm like, I need that security and I need to have enough save that if at any given moment something happens, I'm good. Right. Like always been my motivating factor, I think. And I think that's yes. why I became a, a financial planner. Mm. Um, to say, all right, well, how, if you have money, what do you do with it? And how can you get to the goals that you want to accomplish? And what's the best way to do that? So now I just help other people do it, too. It's nice of you. Well, thanks. Had to channel it somewhere. Yeah. Um, constantly sell other people's houses. Like, just sell your house. <laughs> You're good at that. <laughs> Should have become a realtor. Right. <laughs> so how would you say that faith plays a role in your, uh, in your finances, or does it at all? <sighs> See, I almost want to... Like, I don't want to gloss over it like, oh, I know God got my back, so I'm going to be good. Because it feels too simplistic to say that. But first of all, I always feel like if I'm ever in the situation where I'm literally like down to my last penny, I at least have family and friends that I know wouldn't let me be on the street. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. That is the comfort in that. Right. So I'm like, as long as I have that, I feel at least a little more secure. But at the same time, there have definitely been times where you feel like everything is going wrong and you don't even know how you're going to come out of it. But somehow you do come out of it. And I feel like for me, that is because I'm like, you know what? I know, I know I'm going to come out of this. I have faith that I'm going to come out of this. It's going to get better. And it always does. And right. so far, you know, it has. <laughs> so I just continue to have faith that that will always be the case. And even though it might feel like it'll be months and months where it's like, uh, <laughs> am I coming out of this? Um, somehow it works itself out. And again, I'm like, I don't want to just this blanket statement on it. Like, you know, I'm so blessed and, you know, anybody could do it. Because I, I get it. It's not, everybody's situation is not like that. Right. Where it might take a little longer and you might not come out of it on the other side but I do have I have faith and I also have kind of know-how a little bit yeah. and I have, you know family and friends that if anything really ever went wrong I know I could kind of count on them so it's, it's like a combination right 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 how about you Rick well now at the age of 33 having gone through unemployment several times and you know, I got fired and laid off. Like that helped increase my faith a lot because I always, since high school, since you know, I told you I was working, always had a job every year, whether it was just the summer or during the school year, even in Westchester. Um, you know, I worked at the YMCA, then I had the job at Enterprise. So I always had a job and I had income. But then when I first got fired, I was like 24 and I went on unemployment and I really didn't know like, where the money was going to come from because I didn't even understand unemployment at the time. Like I was used to getting a paycheck. Unemployment was not even a thought, but then I, 
you know, I was able to collect that. And then I had other jobs working at, you know, other car dealerships. And it was just like, it was always a way to make money. It wasn't necessarily my ideal career, but it was like God always found a way or showed a way for me to make money, even if I didn't really seek it out myself. So over time, every time I lost my job, every time after that, I just kind of like just prayed about it. And I always found a way to work. And somebody would always come through with opportunity when I'm like down to my last couple bucks. So that basically gave me like a, a safety net when it came when it came to trying to find income after losing the job there's like all right just pray about it so it, it's definitely my faith was stronger because of that right and what's interesting is when people, um you know your faith is actually strengthened in the hard times not necessarily in the the good ones so yeah. you get to see kind of what you're made of uh, what's actually in you when you get squeezed out and like I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, that's True. what you kind of see. Well, what do you really believe? Do you believe that God is real? Do you believe he's taking care of you? Do you believe he's a provider? Because uh, if so, then you just have to wait on him to do that um, while you're also active, an active participant in the process. It's not like you want to sit on your couch all day and then a job going to knock on your door all the time. It right. might you know, God bless the people who, for whom that happens, but I don't know them. Right. <laughs> so right. you do have to have some level of, uh, of partnership with God in that. Um, and then also, you know, you mentioned, or both of you mentioned uh, relationships too, like opportunities come through people. Um, they typically, mm -hmm. you know, God will use people um, for your opportunities. And there is a scripture that talks about that, um, about how to, uh, and I'm, I'm going to botch it off, off the top of my head, but what it basically says is uh, when money fails you, um, at least you'll have relationships to welcome you into eternal dwellings. Um, it's a scripture in, I think it's Luke, um, and it's basically about this guy who got fired from his job and he was a he was working for a man who was a debt collector and so he went to all the people that his master uh that owed his money owed money to his master and cut their debts like in half uh and said all right you you used to owe this but now you owe this um and so when he was the shrewd uh shrewd manager is what it's the parable and it was basically saying, like, uh, at some point, money's going to fail you. So when it does, what else do you have mm -hmm. besides that? And so having faith in times of difficulty is usually when all the other stuff that you do shows up. Like, if you treated people like crap all the time because you had money and you felt like you could, what happens when the money goes away? You know? Mm -hmm homeless you're gonna be you know without food nobody's gonna welcome you into their their home um so be wise and the end part of the scripture says that the children of the world are wiser than the children of the kingdom because uh, people outside of the kingdom quite often know that 
and then people in the kingdom uh, also have to be wise enough to say, all right, well, I, I know what's truly valuable, so let me focus on that. Uh, which brings me to my last point, um, is when it comes to siblings and money, there's a, there was an article that came out uh, where Ameriprise Financial, they did a, a study on uh, a family wealth checkup study. And they surveyed 2,700 Americans between the age of 25 and 70. And almost 1,900 of them had siblings. And out of that, uh, siblings usually have conflicts over finances. And it's usually about one thing. What do you think that one thing is? Um, I, can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine having conflict with my siblings over finances. Yeah, we're different though. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we are a little bit different. But what, what they usually have conflict over is their parents. Oh, right. 68% of the people uh, surveyed had conflict with their siblings over their parents. And uh, the top three reasons were one, it had to do with inheritance. So oh, that's why we ain't worried about it. They <laughs> <laughs> <Dad> always say, <laughs> I ain't got nothing for you to inherit. So we ain't got no worries. We ain't got to worry about that. Yep. <laughs> well, inheritance was the number one uh, reason that mm. fight over money. Number two, uh, was one sibling supporting their parents more than the other. I could see that, yeah. Because yeah. mm -hmm. they're like, well, I'm spending all my money taking care of mommy, dad, whoever. Yeah. Uh, Y'all not kicking in nothing. Right. Uh, but that's the next one. Uh, and number three was whether the parents are being fair in their financial support of the children. Oh, <laughs> Don't start. Don't start. We had some revelations today. So. <laughs> right. so yeah, some of the some of the conflict we we have had was you know <laughs> the whole I'm cleaning my room TV gift. Yes, when we, absolutely. When we did move into that house and uh, everybody couldn't find Rick, and suddenly they called out to him and he was. Cleaning his room. Cleaning my room. He's <laughs> like, oh, let's get him a TV. It's just, like, yeah. What? See? But you see yeah. why I think, like I think now, if, as long as I do the right thing, I get stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see where that has come from. Absolutely. <laughs> we don't okay. blame you. We don't blame you. It's not your fault. Okay. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So that is, those are the reasons typically that um, siblings have conflict when it comes to money. It's inheritances, um, support of the parents, or the parents' support of the children, and it being unequal. So 68% of the people um, said that they basically have those issues uh, with their siblings. And I've seen it even, you know, my work as a financial advisor, I've worked with families when you know, someone passes away and there's squabbling over the inheritance. 
Um, I've seen it where, you know, somebody's taking care of a mother or father um, and the other people aren't. Um, so that is something that is real. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to end on uh, a scripture that pertains to that uh, from Matthew chapter five. Um, and it has to do with relationships and money. Or, well, actually, sorry, it has to do with relationships in general. I'm applying it here to money. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 23, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So in this example, it's, you know, somebody coming to God, trying to offer something to him, but has beef with their brother or sister. Mm -hmm. And by brother or sister, they just mean like, you know, fellow human being, really. But um, somebody that you're in a relationship with, you got beef with, and you try to come to God, you know, offering a sacrifice. Um, God is showing his priorities here that relationships are more important than your sacrifice to um, try to try to please God. You can't actually try to please God if you're not in good relationship with other people. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. He's saying, you know, first go be reconciled. So this is to everybody out there that might have beef with your siblings when it comes to money. Um, first, figure out how to just work that out uh, between you um, and then come to God because he'll be pleased with you if you do that. Uh, and you're probably going to need to pray because some beef is real. And um, I don't want to gloss over the damage that some uh, relationships have when it comes to issues of money. Um, mm-hmm. But you also want to be real about um, your faith and not trying to play the role of a Christian, but be real about it. Um, be reconciled to your brothers and sisters uh, as you are also reconciled to God through Christ. So he took care of the vertical relationship. Uh, Now you got to take care of the horizontal relationships. Um, So that is my tip for dealing with uh, issues of money um, in family, particularly amongst siblings. As you can see, we have different financial personalities, um, but we have not yet prayerfully (laughs) had a major financial falling out. Yes, let's hope <laughs> keep it that way. <laughs> Let us keep it that way, Lord willing. Yeah, we will remember this, and at some point, I'm sure we'll be tested on that. Be like, well, okay, we did do the process, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but to everybody else out there, uh, thank you for listening. This has been the first in the next series of family and money. Um, I am Shana Harvey. These are my siblings, Erica Wright and Eric Capers Jr. We are signing off. And by the way, uh, Rick did do our theme music. So shout out to Rick for uh, Rick Scrapers production. Yeah, Rick Rick Scrapers production. (laughs) So with that in mind, uh, how about you listen to the theme music as we end this here episode? Uh, Thanks for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for the next episode. Peace out. Adios. Okay.